2: Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread in this week number 10 of the National Football League season, if you can believe it. College football, we never know what week it is. Week number two for some teams, week number 10 for other teams. But nonetheless, in the world of COVID football, we're busy trying to handicap that scenario. And with that, I want to welcome our co-host Victor King to the show. Victor, all in all, how was your week last last week? I know it was really good inside the totals tip sheet. And I know you're looking forward to a good week this week as well.
1: You know, aside from what do we have 15 or 16 inches of rain down here in South Uh Florida from Tropical Storm Etta, we're finally over that. But the weekend, as you mentioned, yeah, very, very nice weekend. Total's tip sheet brought home some winners. So did the Playbook Football Newsletter. Our King Creole service for the fourth week in a row. We hit our over of the week. And uh, last week that was in the Chargers Raiders game. So we're pleased with that. And. We also have to mention the fact that Mark had the three star winner on Florida outright over Georgia. Three star winner on Notre Dame last Saturday outright over Clemson. And then you came back on Sunday with the perfect system game of the year winner on the Buffalo Bills also outright. So three very nice outright underdog wins. Uh, Another winning weekend for you. So I'd have to say right now we're pleased, clients are pleased. Newsletter readers are pleased, and let's see if we can continue that this week.
2: Let's hope so, Victor. Let's see if that roll continues on here as we're into the middle of November right now in this 2020 football season. And before I hand it off to you, I know you've got some underdog talk you want to talk about in the world of college football. I want to share with our listeners out there what exactly it is that I learned on the college football card last week. And what it is that I learned is that I have to retract what it was I learned a couple, two or three weeks ago when I talked about Mike Loxley, the head coach from Maryland, not being fit to be a college football head coach. I know Sooner said that and made that statement than Maryland has since gone on this terrific winning run in college football. Maybe he listened to the podcast that week. I don't know. But since then, they've won straight up as underdogs of 20 or more points in back-to-back football games. That's really startling. It's, maybe once a year you'll see that for a team in football, college football. But uh, for a coach that had been living in the gutter as far as handicapping goes in college football to do just that, at home 20-point dogs against Minnesota, against Penn State, I know a lot of that is due to the fact that he now has a quarterback in Tagovaiola to his brother that is really opening up a lot of eyes and it's appearing that he may well be as good or better than Tua We don't know that, but uh, he's been the biggest portion or reason that Maryland's been on this big upstart run. He's thrown for over 600 yards in those two big upset wins. So I will eat my words about Mike Loxley at Maryland for now. That's what it is that I learned on the college football card last week. Victor, what is it that you learned in college football? And I know we were talking before the show about how the dogs are barking in the world of college football.
1: Another good week for underdogs. That's absolutely correct. 28-18-2 last week. A very solid 61% for dogs in college football. Conference dogs for the season are now 121-102-3. The best situations have been on the road, off a loss. Conference road dogs have gone 37-25 against the spread. So, yes, a good season as well for the college underdogs as a couple of the other conferences began play last week. And what what I learned in college football is that there is indeed a passing revolution going on, but there is, oh, four, five, six teams that are a little bit behind the curve when it comes to that uh, passing revolution. And I say that because most notably, passing yards per game are at 238.6. That's a record uh, halfway into the season. Also, overall completion percentage in college football for quarterback 61.5%. But uh, as I learned, it doesn't mean everyone can throw it and catch it. Uh, A couple teams I want to point out that uh, maybe behind the eight ball a little bit would be a team like Kansas, who is 0-7 on the season. I know that Les Miles wasn't known for his cutting-edge passing game at LSU, and let's just say it's gotten worse with less talent There at Kansas, another team I would throw out there would be Florida State with a pass efficiency rating of 98.8 on the season. And if you thought their passing game was pedestrian in recent seasons, guess what? It's gotten even worse this year. Four different quarterbacks have thrown at least 20 passes for the Seminoles this season, and all of them have thrown at least one interception. The team interception rate is at 4.5% amongst the worst in the nation I would also submit a team to you like uh, Iowa. Now, they came into the season slinging it, the Hawkeyes. And kind of now that seemed like a bad idea in retrospect. Their 90 passing attempts in the first two games were the most in consecutive games for the program since 2014. And, you know, Kirk Ferentz got back to what he does the best, and that's Ferentz ball. Last week in that uh, trampling of Michigan State, they threw it only 28 times and they ran it 41 times. And the fourth team I would throw to you that's a little behind the curve in regards to this passing revolution would be a team like uh, Nebraska. And only one FBS team that has played more than one game has failed to throw a TD pass. Take a bow, Cornhuskers. They've thrown the ball 65 times, and not once has a quarterback completed it to someone wearing the same color jersey. You know, Adrian Martinez is uh, startlingly regressing statistically as a passer and that's kind of led scott Frost, uh, frost to give more opportunities to the backup luke mccaffrey but yeah there's four five six teams in college football that are just not keeping up with this current passing revolution
2: good take victor and what's going on in the world of college football this season battling through the COVID situation as we will each and every week last week we had probably more cancellations and or suspensions of football games we've seen thus far, and it's only going to continue. Uh, It's only Wednesday when we do the podcast, and already there's a handful of games that are postponed this week, so we'll see exactly what we've got on tap this weekend as far as the healthy teams that will play in college football this week. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's shift over to the National Football League side of things, where, as I mentioned, Week number 10 in the NFL is now upon us. And before I hand it over to Victor, and he's got some great stats that he wants to share with you, I want to say this, that uh, what it is that I learned in the National Football League this week is something that I've taken with me for a long time, didn't realize it, that I inwardly look for these things, but outwardly don't acknowledge them. And basically what it amounts to is this, is... You are never as good as you look in your best win, nor are you as bad as you look in your worst loss. You can take that for granted because things always tend to return to the norm. That will always happen regardless of what it is you're doing, whether it's sports or life in general. But when it comes to handicapping the National Football League teams and teams that have been on major winning runs, a la the Pittsburgh Steelers, a la the Tampa Bay Bucks and what they've done so far this football season that puts them ahead of the pack, there's always a chink in the armor that eventually uh, shows. And those those chinks in the armor are excellent handicapping foresight tools to use. Uh, witness the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we talk a little bit about this in the Playbook Football Newsletter uh, each week. And uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, here they were, on this major run, this undefeated winning run, they go into uh, last week. They almost lost the game against Dallas, but when they when they came out of the Baltimore game, going into the Dallas football contest, they were still undefeated, still hadn't lost to the spread, doing a terrific job. But a chink in the armor showed in the Pittsburgh Steeler football this season, this year. And what that chink in the armor was is that when they beat Baltimore 28 to 24 as a dog. They were outyarded 236 yards in the contest. That was a chink in the armor for a team that had been playing perfect football, but suddenly, suddenly a cotter pin slipped for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The same thing happened last week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on this great start to the football season here. Uh, tied or leading the division, I should say, the NFC South, uh, coming into the football game against New Orleans, they were the, against whom they had big-time revenge. They had held seven of their first eight opponents to season-low yardage marks. So what did they do in the big game before New Orleans? They allowed the New York Giants a season-high 357 yards of offense. That was a chink in the armor. That suddenly told us that things aren't right with New, with Tampa Bay in the football game. So the message that I'm trying to get across here is this, is when you're handicapping games and you're finding teams that are on winning runs and doing good things, and suddenly something out of, the, out of the norm happens, a chink in the armor, you can use that as a tool in evaluating the team's prospects the next game. It worked last week against Pittsburgh and it worked against Tampa Bay. And we'll see whether or not it continues to keep working both in college football and the National Football League. So call that my chink in the armor, armor, what I learned in the world of the National Football League last week. After that dissertation, Victor, I'm going to pass it on to you to ask exactly what it is you might have learned in the NFL and other stats that you may have come across as we enter week number 10.
1: You know, Mark, in the, uh, in the Chinese Zodiac, 2020 is known as the year of the rat. And uh, that's a great setup if you want to make some sort of a political joke or something like that but we won't touch that in my opinion, it should be the year of the dog in the NFL. Another fantastic week for the underdogs, nine and five against the spread. For the season, NFL underdogs on the blind. It doesn't matter whether at home, away, division, non-division, dogs on the year are now at 76, 53, and two against the spread. That's 59% across the board for NFL underdogs. If you're not betting underdogs, your bankroll's taking a hit in pro football. Uh, road dogs even better on the season than home dogs at 50 and 33 against the spread. And again, this the most profitable situation this season, 22 and eight for all NFL road dogs sticking on any opponent off a loss. That's hit at 73% for the season. There are four such dogs going this week. And again, if you're not playing the dogs, you're definitely losing out, and uh, actually, I didn't learn anything last week in the NFL, but I'm learning something this week. What I've learned this week in the NFL, Mark, is that this week's Sunday schedule is absolutely insane. The last time I looked, I don't know if I've seen this before, there were more, there are more late afternoon kickoff games than early games this week. Uh, again, this is the last time I looked on Wednesday morning. There were only five 1 o'clock Eastern games scheduled for this Sunday and six late afternoon kickoff games. And again, I don't remember if I've ever seen that before. And not only that, but check out the late afternoon action. We got the great rookie quarterback battle, Justin Herbert against Tua. We got Josh Allen against Kyler Murray in the late kickoffs. We got a game for the NFC West uh, lead as the Seahawks are taking on the Rams. We got the only undefeated team in the league, Pittsburgh Steelers, taking on Joe Burrow. We got a great AFC West matchup in Denver and the Raiders, and finally, we've got what some are saying is arguably the best team in the NFC now, the Saints, taking on the 49ers. Only five kicks at one o'clock, but six in the late afternoon kickoffs. Mark, I don't, I don't know if I've seen that before.
2: I I subscribe to Direct TV and I get the Red Zone there and. Live on that practically, other unless it's a yeah. Cleveland Browns game that I right. want to really watch. Love it. Love it. But uh, uh, in doing the red zone each Sunday, following that, uh, it seems like with each passing week there have been fewer and fewer late games. Uh, I think only yeah. three of them last week. The mm-hmm. week before the same thing. It's like you know they were being skinnied out the late games, and all of a sudden they're making up for it here in one week, one fell wow. swoop. So we'll what enjoy. It. Yeah. Yes, it will. It'll be a, it'll be a, a terrific weekend, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. In the national football league this week before we go to break here a couple of notes i want to pass along here one our good friend the texas tornado from texas reminds us that he always plays against these most embarrassed teams in the national football league this week or almost always does but he writes an exception this week because obviously the most embarrassed team was the aforementioned tampa bay bucks and the loss against new orleans and the situation being that what tampa's going into this week really kind of puts the stop sign up in this football game, and that is simply the Carolina Panthers and the success that Teddy Bridgewater has met with in his National Football League career. Absolutely outstanding, 33-11 uh, and 11 to the spread overall, but he's terrific as an underdog off a loss. He's been in those games 12 times. He's won the money 11 of them. So it sounds like Steve is going to put the stop sign up on that most embarrassed play on the Tampa Bay Bucks this week in the National Football League and also on the follow-up of We'll see whether or not they've ironed out that chink this week or not, so it might give them time to do just that. Uh, Overview, once again, as we always do this time of the year, if the NFL playoffs were to begin this week, what the playoff picture would look like. And going into this weekend, the number one seeds would be the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans claims the top spot with that win over Tampa last week. Number two seeds, Kansas City and Seattle Seahawks number three seeds, the Buffalo Bills, surprisingly Buffalo Bills, leading the AFC East, and the Green Bay Packers. The number four seeds, the Tennessee Titans and the Philadelphia Eagles, who are slowly emerging from the NFC East and likely will end the season with a winning record. They can then uh, justify winning the, that division and making it to the playoffs. Number five seeds, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Number six seeds, the Las Vegas Raiders have climbed their way back into the playoff picture right now. Off a couple of straight-up road wins, good job by them in the past two weeks. Along with the Arizona Cardinals, the upstart Cardinals. We're going to talk about them in just a bit on our featured NFL game of the week. And the number seven seeds, the Miami Dolphins. Congratulations to them and what they've done here this year in their second year under Brian Flores. They would be the number seven seed in the playoffs if they were to begin this week. Along with the L.A. Rams. Other teams to watch closely. The number eight seeds knocking on the door, the Cleveland Browns and the Chicago Bears, followed by the Indianapolis Colts and the San Francisco 49ers, and then the Denver Broncos and the Minnesota Vikings. That's a review of what the NFL playoff picture would look like if the game's playoffs were to start this weekend. And don't go away, guys, when we come back, Victor and I are going to tear apart our NFL game of the week. That matchup between those two brilliant young quarterbacks, the Buffalo Bills. And Josh Allen taking on Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals will tear that game apart. And how about the Vegas? For the Vegas Vibe with Andy Esco, when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
3: Only the Playbook Experts VIP experience offers. We pay the juice. Conflict game notices. Tokens bonuses. SMS alerts. And Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. All new Playbooks tokens are
0: here. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And now,
2: let's throw it back to Mark. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread along with Victor King. We're going up into our National Football League Game of the Week this week. We're going to tear up out an intra-conference game when the Buffalo Bills journey out to take on the Arizona Cardinals in the desert. This should be a heck of a matchup between two rising quarterbacks, as Victor mentioned. Victor, how do you see the Bills and the Cardinals shaking out from an over-under perspective?
1: In terms of the point spread, Arizona is somewhere two to two-and-a-half point favorite in the game, and for us total betters, it opened at 52-and-a-half. And, man, did it go up. The last time I looked, it was at 56 and a half as we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning. 56 and a half, yes, that is the highest over-under line of the week in the NFL. Right behind would be the 55.5 I'm currently seeing in the Seattle and L.A. Rams game. But we're here, of course, to talk about the Bills and the Cardinals. The Bills with their number 12 offense at 377 yards per game. in Arizona with their, yes, number one offense, 422 offensive yards per game for the Arizona Cardinals. And currently, based on the point spread and the over-under line, the predicted score in this game is Arizona, 29 and a half. Buffalo, 27. Now, I know these teams are from opposite conferences, so they only play each other once every four seasons. So this is one where the series history is not as significant as it might be in perhaps like a division game. But uh, with that said, five of the last six meetings between these two teams have indeed gone over the total on the season, Arizona comes in 3-5 and over-under. Their average line, 50.8. Average score, 51.7. And their average margin, uh, over by plus 0.9 points per game. A little bit better for uh, Buffalo over-betters. They're now 7-2 and over-under on the season after going over last week in that shootout versus the Seahawks. The average Buffalo line this year has been 47.8, average score 52.8, with the average Buffalo game going over the total by plus five points per game. Now, in terms of high over underlines, that's basically the first thing I query when I get into the database. And so far this season, that's in this 2020 season, NFL games with an over underline of 55 or more, have gone three and eight. That's three overs and eight unders on the season. Uh, with that said, what I like about the over in this game that perhaps makes it wager-worthy is the fact that these are two of the most improved offenses from last year to this year. For the Arizona Cardinals, 22.6 points per game last year, 29.3 this year. So they've gone up by plus 6.7 points per game. And uh, Buffalo, it's uh, even better, their improvement. They were a 19.6 points per game team last year, 26.9 in 2020. So they've gone up by plus 7.3 points per game, perhaps justifying why this uh, over underline uh, is as high as it uh, is. Another thing about Buffalo that I noticed when I was researching the totals tip sheet for this week is in their history, they've been a really, really good over-team against this particular division, the NFC West. Since 1980, Buffalo's gone 33-9 over-under against the NFC West, 17-3 and over-under since 2001. And in fact, each of their last seven games against this particular division have indeed gone over the total for the Bills. And not only that... But uh, in road games against Western time zone teams, Buffalo has gone 25 and nine. That's 25 overs, only nine unders in road games in West time zones, including 12 and two since 04. And again, a perfect five and zero in their last five in this particular situation. So when Buffalo heads out West, we always want to look to go over the total. Uh, they scored, what, 44 at home last week in that win against Seattle. And here's a nice little 10-0 and over-under out of the database that I dug up. Game 7 or greater non-division teams who scored 40 or more points as a home dog the previous week. These teams have gone a perfect 10-0 and to the over since 2011 when the over-under line is greater than 40 points. So that applies to the Bills. Uh, And uh, next up for the totals tip sheet, Mark, we're talking about off a 30-30 game, a game in which you scored and allowed 30 or more points. Again, from the tip sheet, 16-3-1 over under. All games seven or greater, non-division home favorites of less than a touchdown off a 30-30 game. That applies to the Arizona Cardinals. For me, the clincher is... I know the over-under line is high, but at least in non-conference games, those lines tend to be justified. In the last three seasons, non-conference games, that's AFC versus NFC games, with a high over-under line of 51 or more points, have gone 19 and 5. That's 19 overs, only 5 unders in the last three seasons. That'll kind of seal the deal for me, although I'm thinking of perhaps doing something like where you play one unit on the over in the game and one unit on Buffalo over their team total of 27 points. Uh, As far as how you wager it, we'll leave that up to you. We are liking the over in this game, even at the current number of 56.5. Yeah, shootout in Arizona, I'm all for it.
2: Victor says the total's there for a reason, 56.5 points. He's going to go over that total with the Bills and the Cardinals on Sunday and perhaps even look to an over total on the Buffalo Bills side of the football game, which is the same side I'll be taking in the football game. I'll be taking the points of the Buffalo Bills, who are looking to win, I should say, their first division title since 1995 this year, and they look like they're in the driver's seat to do just that this football season here. Everything's come together. Right now for Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, the addition of Stefan Diggs to this football program uh, can't be uh, underestimated enough. I mean, he's really, really ignited the offense, and that's what this Buffalo Bills team right now these days is all about, that offense. Buffalo has going up against two teams out of the NFC conference this year. They've won and covered both of those football games. And in fact, if you look at their body of work this season here, the Buffalo Bills' two losses this year have come against what would be the number four seed in the AFC Tennessee Titans and the number two seed in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs. So the losses by the Bills are to Tennessee and Kansas City this football season here. Obviously, confirming the fact that this football team is hitting on most of their all cylinders this season. The Arizona Cardinals come in here off of a 34-31 home loss last week, a tough home loss uh, in that football contest in which they won the stats by four to 442 to 312 yards in the football game against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they're playing some really good football themselves. In fact, this is going to be a marquee matchup between two former first-round picks, as Victor mentioned, in Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. Uh, if you look at this, prior to that game that they lost here for the Arizona Cardinals, They had allowed the Seattle Seahawks a season-high 572 yards on defense. A little bit of a chink in the armor type of a situation, if you will, for Arizona as they went into that Miami football game, having come off of that season-high worst defensive effort in that football contest. Arizona just 2-6 and to the spread as favorites over the past three football seasons. So this is a football team that is kind of advancing up the Peter Principle ladder, if you will, maybe to the point of a level of incompetence where they can't quite handle the role. We're going to find that out this week because they couldn't handle it last week in their football game. And then we'll see whether or not they can handle it this week against the Buffalo Bills. In closing, my final thought on the game is this. Sean McDermott, I think, holds a huge edge in this football contest over Cliff Kingsbury. And it's not to shoot Cliff Kingsbury down because he's done a great job turning this program around. But if you take a look at Sean McDermott, and what he's done in his NFL football career with the Bills here, he's been at his best on the road. Regular season road games, he's 15, 11, and 1 to the spread. In those same games on the road against winning teams, he's 8-2 and against the spread. And in those same games on the road against winning teams, if it's a non-division opponent, he's won the money 7 out of 7 times, winning 6 of those games in straight-up fashion. The better the opponent, the better... The effort from the Buffalo Bills behind Sean McDermott, I'll play them plus the points over Arizona for my side in that football game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time for one of our favorite segments on the show as we hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you this 2020 football season?
4: Well, we've reached the halfway part uh, of the season, Mark, and I'm looking forward to a great uh, uh, second half now that we've sort of had a pretty good opportunity both in the colleges and the pros to figure out a lot about the teams. and. Fortunately, in college football, we've got teams that have completed uh, more than half their season, while a couple of the other conferences are basically just getting started, so we don't have to uh, think that uh, we have to make plays on some of these college teams that are just starting. Let them develop into a little form, and in the meantime, uh, play on the college teams that we've had a pretty good uh, opportunity to develop profiles. And the same thing is pretty much true in the NFL, other than the fact that all teams have now played either eight or nine games, and the playoff uh, picture is starting to take shape and of course let's also not forget we've got the third wild card this season in each of the uh, conferences which means that the last two to three weeks of the NFL season are going to be even more exciting and hopefully as entertaining than in the past
2: visiting with Andy Isco our good friend from Las Vegas as we get the Vegas vibe to find out what is going on in Las Vegas this week and if you haven't done so I'd highly encourage you to check out his weekly newsletter the Logical Approach, you can download it online at thelogicalapproach.com. Put yourself in a better position to win games this weekend with Andy's great football newsletter. And Andy, I know, as you mentioned, at the halfway point of the National Football League season here right now, and I would imagine things are being a, true, a little more true to form as far as those big contests in Vegas are concerned at the, uh, at the Westgate Superbook and the circuit Contest. So if you would do the honors, and update our listeners out there exactly what's going on from the standing standpoint.
4: Sure thing, Mark. And as you would expect, uh, we start seeing uh, a little bit more of a spreading out of the results in the contest and fewer people hitting uh, that uh, magical 60% uh, uh, success rate than earlier in the season. As uh, we start seeing these teams sometimes display different forms on a week to week basis than we had in the past. And uh, the public uh, uh, often, uh making selections based upon what they saw last week and uh for example in the consensus at the Super Contest Classic uh the uh, contestants last week were 1 and 4 in the top five consensus picks, interesting enough, the one winner was the top overall choice, the Baltimore Ravens in their uh, trip, successful trip to Indianapolis for the season. There was one tie one week for the fifth most popular selection, so there are 50, 46 rather than forty-five consensus plays for the season. They're twenty-two and twenty-four, but five and four on the top number one selection. Each week. Now, the Westgate, along with the circuit, they have quarterly prizes. So, this past weekend was week one of quarter number three, games nine through twelve, or weeks nine through twelve. And uh, there were 19 contestants in the Super Contest Classic who posted a perfect five and O oh last week. As far as the standings are concerned, the leader is ha, has a record of 33-11-1. That's 33.5 points out of a possible 45. That equates to a 74.4% winning percentage. Uh, that is good enough for a three-point lead over four contestants who are tied at 30.5 points. Then there are six at 30. It goes down to 13 who are at 28.5, and I mentioned that number. There are 36 contestants. 28.5 being within five points of making up uh, ground on the leader and having a chance to perhaps tie for the lead. Should the leader go 0-5 and, and should uh, one of those people with the 28.5 points go 5-0, and 0, although likely the leader, if they go 0-5, would be passed, but not necessarily with a three-point lead over the second-place finisher. So 30 second-place contestants right now. right? Uh, overall, 36 contestants are within five of the current leader. That's a 63.3% winning percentage to be in that group. And overall, the contest, which pays 100 places, there are 109 contestants uh, in the money, several of them tied for that final uh, paying position. That's uh, with 27 points, exactly a 60.0% winning percentage to right now be in the money in the Super Contest Classic. Now, to be in the money in the Super Contest Gold Contest... um, Well, there's just going to be one winner. That's the $5,000 winner take all uh, contest. And last week, the consensus of the top five selections in a contest that attracted 72 entrants this year, two and three. However, for the season, the consensus still a solid 25 and 20 ATS playing the top five consensus plays. Last week, the top selection uh, was 0 and 1. The New England Patriots ended up being the top selection, but still the top play, the number one play each week in the contest, six and three. Uh, ATS uh, from the 72 handicappers who ponied up the $5,000 in this winner-take-all super contest uh, goal. The leader, 30-14 with one push. That's 30.5 out of a possible 45 points. That's a 67.8 percent winning percentage. Overall, there are 10 contestants out of the 72 who are within five points of the lead, and the uh, lead uh, would be at 60 percent at uh, 20, or rather um, let me let me rephrase that there are ten contestants uh, uh that are less than five points behind they are at sixty percent right now twenty seven points uh, is the sixty is the sixty percent mark uh the circa million Contest, the big contest this year in terms of entrance and guaranteed prize pool. million. They exceeded that guarantee. So more than $3 million going to winners in the circa million, which attracted 3,148 entrants. The consensus this past week, much like the Super Contest Classic, struggled with a 1 in 4 record. However, much like the uh, Super Contest Classic, the number one selection this past week in the Circa Million, the Baltimore Ravens. For the year, the consensus overall, a solid 23-17 ATS with the number one selection, a very strong 6-3 and three ATS. Quarter three began in this contest as well, 43 contestants, a perfect 5-0. and oh. The leader in the contest has a record of 34-10-1 push, 34.5 out of a possible 45 points. That's 76.7% to be leading this contest. There are 40 contestants within five or fewer points of the lead. Uh, They have 29.5 points, the final contestant in that grouping. That's a 65.6 winning percentage. And overall, in a contest that pays 50 places and ties, there are 70 contestants in the money. And in order to be in that top group of 50 plus ties it's taking right now 29 points so 64.4 percent to be cashing in the circa million finally the circus survivor contest which attracted 1390 entries that you pick one team a week straight up you cannot repeat a team and by the way just a reminder for those listening who are in the circus survivor contest week uh, the extra week is uh, the uh the week consisting of the three Thanksgiving Day games coming up in just a few weeks, so you need to have at least one of those six teams remaining to be picked or or you will be automatically eliminated. Heading into week nine, there were 331 contestants of the 1,390 still remaining. Of the 331 contestants, 310 advanced with winning selections. 20 contestants lost with losing selections. And once again, surprisingly, one contestant failed to uh, uh, make a selection. So that contestant has also been eliminated. Of the teams picked that eliminated last week, Arizona picked by 17 contestants. And they, of course, lost to Miami. Seattle went out to Buffalo. They lost. The Seahawks were the selection of two of the contestants. And the Sunday night game, which wasn't a game very long as New Orleans totally took control early and maintained control throughout Over Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers were eliminated uh, by having been selected by one contestant. And so 310 contestants alive heading into week 10 of the 18-week contest of uh, King of the Hill, Last Man Standing, Survivor, however you want to phrase it. A
2: total of 310 survivors still alive in the Circa Survivor Football Contest and a great overview of exactly what's going on in the Westgate Superbook and Circa Contest from Andy Isco joining us from... Las Vegas from thelogicalapproach.com. And Andy, as we always do on the show, I know our listeners would love to know exactly what it is that Jay Cornegay from the Westgate posted for the upcoming National Football League lines next week, if you would.
4: Sure thing, uh, Mark. I'll take a look first at three games for this coming week that saw some interesting movements from the advance lines that were put up on, uh, actually it was Tuesday, Election Day, November 3rd. The game between Tampa Bay and Carolina, uh, that line had Tampa Bay as the advance uh, favorite in that game, a six-point favorite. Of course, Tampa Bay, uh, well, during the day on Sunday, uh, their opponent, they're at Carolina this week. Carolina nearly beat Kansas City, so when this game was reposted, instead of Tampa Bay minus six, Tampa Bay was reduced to a four and a half point road favorite. Then the game was taken down Sunday evening as Tampa Bay uh, played New Orleans. And of course, just just mentioned, uh, New Orleans totally dominated Tampa Bay. So when the game was reposted Monday morning, you'd think Tampa Bay might have been moved down a little bit. Nope. They were reposted as the original six-point favorite uh, on the road as they were a week ago. Two other games worth noting, one involving the New Orleans Saints uh, game against uh, Tampa Bay. They host San Francisco this week. And this is a good illustration of perhaps an overreaction, a major overreaction. Uh, This was before San Francisco lost badly at home to Green Bay last Thursday night. New Orleans was a six and a half point home favorite in that game, in the upcoming game against San Francisco. And it remained such even after Green Bay's uh, wh- wh- whipping of San Francisco. Uh, the game came down before the early slate of games on Sunday afternoon. Of course, New Orleans wasn't going to play until the evening, but when they did put the game back up, they had adjusted New Orleans to an eight-and-a-half point Favorite at home uh, when they beat Tampa Bay on um, Sunday evening, the lines came up on a Monday morning, and New Orleans was up to a nine and a half point home favorite when the betting action began. So you saw a three point adjustment based upon those two results. Uh, going over the key number of 7 and almost reaching another key number of 10. And finally, this one's a little bit more unusual. Uh, The Monday night game this week, Minnesota is at Chicago. Uh, When the game was posted on Tuesday, November 3rd, Chicago was a two-point home favorite over Minnesota Uh, For the Monday night game, not much action during the week. So when the game was taken down on Sunday, uh, Chicago was still a two-point home favorite. Then on Sunday afternoon, Chicago went out and lost 24-17 at Tennessee. Minnesota at home defeated Detroit 34-20. Minnesota came back up as a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, so a a four-and-a-half-point swing in a matter of hours based upon the results of those early games. Looking ahead to next week, that's Week 11, beginning with a game on Thursday, November 19th, Arizona at Seattle. Seattle, a a five-and-a-half-point home favorite. Turning to Sunday, November 22nd, Philadelphia will be at Cleveland. The Browns, two-point home favorites. In NFC South battle, Atlanta at New Orleans, the Saints at home favored by seven and a half. Detroit will be at Carolina, the Panthers favored at home by two. New England at Houston, the Texans at home, three-point favorites. Pittsburgh will be at Jacksonville. So Jacksonville goes from facing Green Bay this week to Pittsburgh next week. Of course, we don't know the status of Ben Roethlisberger, but Apparently, he's expected to play at least uh, uh, in time for Jacksonville as this game was posted with Pittsburgh, a 10-point road favorite in Jacksonville. Green Bay favored by 2.5 at Indianapolis. Cincinnati will be in Washington. This game has opened a pick'em. Tennessee will be in Baltimore. The Ravens at home favored by 7. Minnesota, a 9.5-point home favorite against the visiting Dallas Cowboys. The Kansas City Chiefs, as they seek to avenge a home loss to Las Vegas Raiders, and the Chiefs, seven-point road favorites here in Las Vegas. Miami will be at Denver as Miami crisscrosses the country, going from uh, Arizona back home this week to face the Chargers, back out west to face Denver. This game, a pick'em. The New York Jets will be at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers at home favored by 10.5 as the Jets to- try to seek, uh, avoid going O and 10 Finally, Monday night, November 23rd, an attractive matchup, the Los Angeles Rams at Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks currently favored by three and a half at home over the Rams.
2: An overview of what to expect on next week's games in, uh, in the National Football League, at least the early lines from Jay Cornergate at the Westgate Superbook from our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas. Andy, before I get to your complimentary play, let me ask you this question. I'm sure somewhere in Vegas at this stage of the football season, there has got to be a proposition out there of whether or not the New York Jets will go winless on the season this year. Have you seen such a proposition? Or if you haven't, what would you anticipate that proposition number to be?
4: Uh, Mark, I have seen that proposition. It actually came up about 10 days ago. And uh, actually, I'm trying to find what the current numbers are. I seem to remember, uh, that, uh, there was, there was more, it was more likely that the Steelers would go perfect than the jets would go uh, winless. Uh, at least that's my recollection, but I'm going to ch- take a check right now. I know I threw it on you unexpectedly, but, uh,
2: as you mentioned, the jets being winless in the football season and looking inept, more inept with each passing week. Uh, I'm sure that thought is going to be passing through a lot of people's minds between now and
4: the end of the season. Okay, good. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, are minus 1,600 on the no. So actually, it's more that, that the Jets are likely to lose than Pittsburgh to be unbeaten. Uh, it's minus 1,600 that the Steelers. Will not go sixteen and zero plus nine hundred that they will. As far as the Jets going zero and sixteen, it's only minus three sixty on the no plus three hundred that they will go. So uh, you get longer odds or or more attractive odds on the Steelers going perfect than you will on the Jets going winless. And of course, the Jets uh, nearly uh, cashed that ticket uh, with their effort uh, Monday this past Monday night, uh, uh, coming from ahead to lose to New England uh, by. uh, by seven, by three points, thirty to twenty-seven. After leading by thirteen, entering the fourth. Excuse me, leading by ten, entering the fourth quarter.
2: A review of what's going on in Las Vegas, or at least from a perfect standpoint, with involving the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, the winless New York Jets. From Andy Esco, as I mentioned in Las Vegas, and Andy, it's that time. If you would once again for your complimentary play on the NFL card this Sunday.
4: Well, Mark, I'm going to go uh, against a team that I was on and lost with last week, but that's not the reason I'm going against them this week. I'm looking at the game between the Chargers and the Dolphins. Uh, The Chargers lost yet another close game and now are 1-6 in in one score of games this season. On the other hand, Miami has won four straight after their 1-3 start. The Dolphins clearly in the wild card chase. Uh, Miami is favored for just the second time this season after having covered earlier as a nine point home favorite in their 24 0 win over the uh, New York Jets. And it's interesting, Miami has decent but not overwhelming stats, and certain teams uh, each year either greatly underperform or outperform uh, their statistics. And in the measures I use of efficiency and inefficiency, uh, the Dolphins rate number one in efficiency, and the Chargers are number 31, making the Chargers the second most inefficient team uh, as far as their stats reflecting their Uh, their overall performance in terms of wins and losses. Now the measures themselves don't look at wins and losses per se but uh, tend to explain why teams win or lose either in spite of or due to uh, the stats that they accumulate. And often it means things that we talked about in in weeks past with factor X uh, accounting for perhaps special teams play uh, turnovers and where they occur etc. Now Miami uh, part of the explanation, Miami has shown a knack for making the big play at key times uh, especially on defense as we've seen actually the past couple of weeks in uh, in games against the uh, Rams and the uh, Cardinals last weekend. Uh, something that the Chargers have failed to do in key times. Uh, in this battle of uh, rookie quarterbacks, uh, uh, Tagovailoa of Miami Uh, seems to be supported by uh, a mentally tougher teammate uh, than the support being given to uh, quarterback Herbert, uh, who's developing very, very nicely uh, for the Chargers. Again, a tough road trip uh, for the Chargers. This is a game that was rescheduled from, I believe it was week seven. Uh, Miami is playing with great confidence. I like the job that Flores has done. Of course, he comes from the Bill Belichick tree, which usually uh, has mixed results. Uh, Sometimes they've been very good results, as as we're seeing in, in Flores' second year. Remember, this is a Miami Team that midway through last year people were looking at their uh, going 0 16 winless prop, and they had a very nice finish to the season. And after a a struggle early in the campaign, the first couple of weeks with losses to New England and Buffalo, uh, they've turned things around. And this is a very dangerous team in an uh, an AFC East that I'm not quite ready to concede it to Buffalo, but Miami will have a say in that as they have a rematch uh, against Buffalo uh, later in the season. Right now, I'm going to look for Miami laying under a field goal. Uh, to have, get the best of the charges in what may very well turn out to be yet another excruciating loss for the Charger fans,
2: the Charger fans, as you mentioned, Andy, in the midweek alert this week, we called out the fact that under Anthony Lynn, the Chargers have had 28 losses, 19 of them have been by one score or less. So, so if his his tenure in uh, in Los Angeles is shortened, he can probably look at that stat and wonder exactly what happened. And that's often just
4: games. one. That's often just one play per game at a key time not being made. Exactly. We saw it last week with that un- the unfortunate result where, and it was clear from the replay, it was not a touchdown catch, but it's just another situation where they come very very close but can't close it out.
2: It's like horseshoes close but no cigar for Anthony Lynn and the Chargers. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas. His complimentary play on the Miami Dolphins a great overview on what's going on in Vegas as we get ready for week number 10. Andy, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week and look forward to talking with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
4: Thanks, Mark. You, Victor, all the listeners, once again, have a great weekend, both college and in the pros.
2: Thank you, Andy, and don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to put the final wraps in this edition of the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week. Victor and I are complimentary plays when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
3: If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach football newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. We're going against the spread with Mark Lawrence after
0: this. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sportsbook online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today.
3: To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best. His awesome Awesome, awesome angle of the week.
2: All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week this week in college football, and we call it one and out. And what one and out means is we're going to play against any college football conference road dog that's coming off a one-point loss exact if they were a dog of 14 or more points in the contest. And teams like this that were expected to lose by a large margin but played valiantly and lost by only one point tend to not show up the next week. That's confirmed by the fact in doing just this, a conference road dog coming off a one-point loss as a dog of 14 or more points. They're just three, 13, and one against the spread their next football game. That's an 81% point spread play against situation. And with that, we'll be playing against South Florida the Bulls this week in college football. And by the way, you can read more on South Florida in the smart box inside this week's Playbook Football Newsletter. So a double barrel of information to be fading South Florida with this weekend, part of our awesome angle of the week. And with that, let's turn it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And Victor, if you would, your complimentary play on the show.
1: Absolutely, Mark. We're going for uh, five in a row now in the NFL with our games of the week, which are overs, and uh, we'll be posting another one on Wednesday night at the playbook.com website, our four-star over of the week in the NFL. And uh, let's see if we can make it five in a row for our free play this week. We're going up to Lake Erie and going under the total with the Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns. And this is one of those early kickoff games in which I feel we're getting some solid undervalue based on a pretty high over-under line, and not to mention the fact that uh, both of these offenses are still ranked in the bottom half of the league. Uh, You're going to want to probably get your wager in as soon as possible. It opened at 54.5. It's down to 52 again as we record the podcast So please, if you do play the game, make sure you can find a line of 52 or more. And we're going Texans and Browns under. Of course, this is a series in which eight of the last nine meetings have all gone under the total with an average of only 35.6 combined points per game. And I also ran a query in our database. When these two particular divisions play each other, check this out, AFC South versus AFC North games, with an over/under line of greater than 41 points, have gone 3-16 and 1 over/under since the 2014 season. That's only three overs and 16 games under the total for the uh, Texans. It's uh, quite the line swing uh, in a two-week period in back-to-back road games. They go from big division road faves last week versus Jacksonville to non-division road dogs in a two-week period. Uh, and the uh, database tells us that road dogs of less than a touchdown who were a division road favorite the previous week have gone a perfect 0 and eight over under since the 2011 season. And of course we're aware that the host Browns come into this game well rested, but there's a couple of bi-week related database queries that are both pointing in a low scoring direction. For instance, O oh, and eight over under last three years, NFL teams after their bye week, who lost as a favorite in their very most or their last game. That was Cleveland, who lost sixteen to six to the Las Vegas Raiders as a favorite directly before their bye week. And here's another O oh and eight over under situation since 2011, non-division conference home favorites after their bye week who had a home game before their bye week. That applies to the Browns as well. And uh, this is the time of year, of course, Mark, that we always check the weather reports and we check the wind report. That's the only situation that basically takes us off and over and perhaps has us considering the under. And we are already looking at the uh, uh, report. I got a text this morning from my brother, uh, Kurt, up in uh, Ohio. Cleveland-Houston, 56 rain, windy, 18 to 20 miles an hour. Uh, We'll take that assist from Mother Nature and go under the total. See if you can get in at 52 or more points. Houston and Cleveland under the total for our free play of the week. And don't forget our four-star over of the week in the NFL. We'll have that posted at the playbook.com website on Wednesday evening. Not to mention the fact that all three of our newsletters will be available by then as well. That's the Playbook Football Newsletter, the Total tip sheet, and the midweek alert.
2: Victor goes under the total in the Houston-Cleveland Browns football game this week for his complimentary play on the show. And just a reminder once again to get on board for his four-star overplay of the week in the National Football League. You can check it out all online at playbook.com. Just a quick note before I get to my complimentary play that our friends at mybookie.ag are offering up to a $1,000 sign-up bonus. All you need to do is log on at mybookie.ag, use the promo code PLAYBOOK to qualify for your up to $1,000 bonus at mybookie.ag. Or you can call them toll free. The number is 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to qualify for your up to $1,000 bonus at mybookie.ag. And just a quick note here that another $69 Weekend of Winners is on tap this weekend. We went 4-1 and last weekend on our Weekend of Winners, included our NFL Perfect System Play of the Year. I'll be highlighting my college football underdog game of the month this this call on the $69 weekend. You can get it, or it's all part of our 10-star November to Remember special package at a reduced price. It's all available online at playbook.com. Or call the office toll-free to get on board for either offer, the 10-star November to Remember or the $69 Weekend of Winners at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football show this week in college football, we're going to take the four points at the Louisville Cardinals against Virginia this week. This is a matchup of two disappointing football teams that come into this game. Louisville just 2-5 and five on the season, Virginia just 2-4. and four. So this is must-win time for both football teams here. We're going to rely on the Louisville Cardinals and use a lot of our stats in our database to get us there in this game. Number one, from the midweek alert, these two teams have faced one common opponent this year. And if you tear the stats down in that game, Louisville wins the net stats by 109 yards in the game, in the game against the Miami Hurricanes between these two football teams. Number two, the head coaches in this contest, Scott Satterfield, from Louisville is outstanding in games when he's off a loss in which his team allowed 35 or more points. He's gone 12-3 and three straight up and 10-2 and two against the spread in this role, which he'll be in this Saturday. Bronco Mendenhall, the head coach from Virginia, is just 1-4 to the spread in his career with rest off a straight up underdog win. The bottom line to this game to me is the Louisville Cardinals bring both the better offense and the better defense into the football game and they're taking points. And we'll do just that. We'll take the points with Louisville for our side for our complimentary play this week in college football. That's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank Victor King from King Creole Sports. Our good friend Andy Isco from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. And until next week, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.